Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I'm happy to welcome you to episode number 39, where I speak with Ayurvedic Dr. Mark Halpern on the subject of integration of yoga and Ayurveda. Coming up next. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. Dr. Mark Halpern is one of the most respected teachers of Ayurvedic medicine in the United States, founder and president of the California College of Ayurveda, and co-founder of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association and the California Association of Ayurvedic Medicine. Dr. Halpern has been instrumental in bringing Ayurvedic medicine to the West, the author of two textbooks, an advisor to the Ayurvedic journals in India and the United States, and a recipient of the Best Ayurvedic Physician Award. Dr. Halpern is one of the few Westerners recognized as an expert in Ayurveda internationally. He is the author of two books, Healing Your Life, Lessons on the Path of Ayurveda, and Classical Yoga Therapy. I welcome you, Dr. Halpern, first of all, to the podcast. And I, I'm just delighted to have you here because I really um, I'm enjoying this book. I'm almost done with it. It only took me about three days to read because I couldn't really put it down. That's incredible. That's because it's a deep book with a lot of uh, classical traditional knowledge. And for you to be able to immerse yourself in it like that is very impressive. Very impressive. Well, I, you know, I have a background in uh, therapeutic chakra knowledge and healing. So I've, I've been studying uh, energy and Reiki. Um, I will say yoga and all those things for, you know, off of years, but really, really honed into the, the energetic body and the subtle body uh, at about 2008. And I have just gone deeper and deeper into it because it speaks to me on a, such a profound level that I just keep going and keep going. And I'm sure that's not the end of my Ayurveda education either. I, I would like to go deeper because it's so expansive. I mean, it just, you know, I, I know nothing in the grand scheme of things, but I, what I know makes sense to me. And so um, I just wanted to share a little bit, if you would, how you found Ayurveda. Sure. Um, my path was always to alleviate suffering and to, you know, my own personal goal, I think. And and, and then for the goal of the, you know, the people around me was to be happy and to be healthy. And these two things I find, you know, I've traveled around the world talking to people from all different cultures and so much of the desires of humanity fall into those two things, to be happy and to be healthy. And I was no different. As a child, I noticed that the world around me wasn't happy. It wasn't healthy. I, much like today, I, when I look around the world, there's wars, there's, uh, there's, there's so much struggle that's happening and people reacting to the trauma of the world and personal trauma that people are experiencing. 
Yeah. And the consequence is that people aren't happy and that's translating into their bodies as not being healthy. And, and then there, when I was growing up, there was a culture of complaining. And I noticed that that's why as a, as a child, I think I became very aware of this because in my own family, I just observed all the complaining and I thought, you know, there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to life than being unhappy, being unhealthy and complaining. And so my journey was very much, I think, I think selfish initially. I, I wanted to have a different experience. And as I started to explore that, I realized that I wanted to have that different experience. And I wanted everybody to have that different experience. I wanted everybody to be happy and everybody to be healthy. Yeah. So everything that I did in my life was really in pursuit of that. And uh, that's what initially stimulated me to become a chiropractor. And then my journey continued and I became a specialist in holistic medicine. And then from there specialized in Ayurvedic medicine. All along the way were of course my own personal struggles. And I wrote a book, which, which you probably know, Healing Your Life. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first part of that book is very much about healing my life. And I was crippled back in 1987 with now what we know as Lyme disease and had to go on a journey in order to heal myself. And that journey was very much physical, emotional, and spiritual. And it took me deeper into understanding the causes of suffering within myself and to, uh, to, to find a way to, to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So that journey is really what led me both to yoga and to Ayurveda. It's my own healing journey. Mm -hmm. And it overlaps with wanting to, to be happy and healthy and to help others to be happy and healthy. So that's really how I got going into this, you know, this, this path that I've been on now for uh, the past um, 35 years. Wow. And, and that path is, is one that continues to unfold before me. And I continue to surrender to, because one thing I've learned over the course of the last 35 years is that nobody gets a free ride. Nobody, nobody comes into this world without struggle, without some challenges. Right. That is a part of it. You know, when I was young, I thought idealistically, the world should be just this beautiful place where there is no struggle, where there is no suffering. Uh, I've come to learn, especially through my journey with yoga, that the struggle and the suffering is an opportunity for our growth and that it's part of the reason why we are here. We are here in so many ways to remove the obstacles between ourselves and our capacity to love more deeply, to love ourselves and to love others. And the expression of our capacity to love ourselves and our, the expression of our capacity to love others is, is, is very much our health. Yeah. And, and, and so when we are loving, we are healthy. When we have challenges with loving, we suffer. And so much of the healing journey through Ayurveda and yoga is a personal journey of learning to love oneself and learning to love everyone else more deeply. And that's really where the, you know, that's really where the integration of Ayurveda and yoga come in because we could say very much that the, 
the path to optimum health parallels the path to self-realization. Yeah. That they're parallel paths that we walk right next to each other. And that we can't really experience optimal health unless we're self-realized. Exactly. And we're, you know, we're not going to be self-realized if our expression of our inability to love is through suffering and illness. In other words, they, they reflect one another. With that understanding, we also come to realize that, that, the, um, that basically a person, a person has to fully awaken to their true nature as spirit or they will suffer. You, 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 can't be, you can't be perfectly healthy and in your own selfish world at the same time. Right. Yoga teaches us that, that removing the cause of suffering means to awaken to our, our true nature as spirit. And when we don't do that, everything falls apart. Disease begins to unfold in our bodies and the symptoms of it in our lives as well. Yeah. So very much the journey to being optimally healthy is one of remembering our true nature as spirit. And Ayurveda, the, the, the knowledge of Ayurveda has primarily focused on taking care of us when we don't remember our true nature as spirit. And, and yoga has been playing the role really of helping us to get to that place so that we don't have to suffer. And the two are vitally important. We, we, we have to be able to do both because you can't heal, really heal from anything unless you heal at the psycho-spiritual level. Right. as well as the physical level. You might have asthma, you might have heart disease, you might have cancer. That's all a symptom. It's all a reflection of what's going on deeper within. And so yoga and also the psychological aspects of Ayurveda take us as deep as we can go so that we can, we can really do the, the depth of healing that's, that's necessary. Yeah. So I remember when I first started school and the the you know the kind of the rules of ayurveda the, the the first one i remember that always sticks with me still to this day is you know the reason for ill health or suffering on a physical level too is um failure of the intellect and so whenever i eat a cookie like a you know and i'm like a couple of cookies I'm, i always say i'm having a failure of the intellect moment right now <laughs> because you know this is we know a lot of times that we shouldn't be doing a certain behavior, but we do it anyway. So I wanted to start first by asking you, did you, were you doing yoga before you were introduced to Ayurveda? Was yoga first and then Ayurveda came? You know, yoga came first only in that prior to uh prior to going more deeply into the healing work that yoga and Ayurveda could take me to, mm -hmm. I got involved in yoga to support the health of my back and my spine. I had right. back problems most of my life. It, it's a family trait. Uh, since I was 15, I had lower mm -hmm. back issues and I have spinal issues from scoliosis and other things. Mm -hmm. So yoga became a way for me to care for my spine. And that's how I, I uh, looked at it. But I wasn't really going deeper into the elements of yoga that are really about healing until I got involved in Ayurveda. 
And I got involved in Ayurveda because I really wanted to understand the cause of suffering. I mean, the deeper and deeper levels of cause and chiropractic only took me so far to understand the nature of the subluxation. Right. Although uh, chiropractors do talk about uh, stress, um, toxins in the environment and how they can cause subluxations. Uh, even, even our internal self-talk chiropractors have talked about since the beginning of chiropractic, that these would be the origins of what would disturb your skeletal structure and ultimately cause, cause those problems. But I really wanted to go deeper. So I, I started out adjusting patients. From there, I started introducing energy work. Uh, you mentioned that you're an energy worker as well. And I began to work on, on uh, uh, helping people physically feel better, helping people on the subtle body, on the energy level, beginning to feel better. But I always noticed that my patients had to keep coming back to me for adjustments. And even when I was doing the energy work on them, they would have to come back because something would happen when they'd leave that would disturb the flow of energy in their body again. So I had to ask the question, why? Why is the energy getting disturbed in the body? Why is the structure continually uh, uh, suffering? <laughs> and it was that journey to answer that question that really led me to a postgraduate program in holistic medicine. And I was introduced to Ayurveda. And then from there, I went deeper and I started studying with my teachers, Dr. Subhash Ranaday and Dr. David Frawley. And, and that took me into everything related to Ayurveda and everything related to yoga, because you can't separate the two. They're like two sides of a coin. Um, you know, one is going to lead you to the other. Right. And, and, uh, and if they don't, then you haven't gone deep enough. And so when we're talking about yoga and sometimes we, we're, we're going, um, at least a lot of times in Western society, Western culture, we're going because um, we're curious. It's maybe what our friends started doing. It's a nice way to stretch and become more flexible and, you know, without you know, doing too much, you know, like cardio or something like that. But I think what's missing though, is the component of the magic beneath and of what yoga really, um, I feel like yoga is misrepresented. Oftentimes it's under, uh, under, it's not understood the way it, the, the power that it expresses in a person. When you go, when you're talking about if people come for energy work, they leave feeling great but then they're back in two weeks because they're feeling the same way when they first came because the spiritual part and the taking in through the senses is affecting the body, the energetic body through perception, consciousness, and how, how they are expressing in the world. And then, so yoga, at least this was my experience, um, became a, a vehicle for processing long-held trauma and not even knowing that it was doing that, but it, that's what it does when you immerse yourself in yoga. It kind of loosens, right? And gets you in touch with things that a lot of people maybe are not aware of. And these traumas start coming to the surface um, and we start to awaken yeah, to our, our authentic selves. And so, I mean, then things can happen like Kundalini can be accessed um, 
at a certain point, if you've done a lot of spiritual work and could we talk a little bit about the magical part of yoga, what happens yeah. and how this can be the very start when these shifts in energy start to happen and we start to awaken the chakras or get the prana moving? Well, first of all, I think that we should really define yoga because uh, most people don't know what yoga is. So people go, you know, when you talk about going to a yoga studio and stretching so you don't have to do cardio or feeling good taking care of your body. Um, that is a consequence of yoga. I mean, it is a, a benefit of yoga. It's gonna make you more flexible and make you more tone. And sure, it's gonna make you more uh, fit. You're gonna feel better physically, emotionally. Um, so many benefits to it. But even what we call a yoga isn't really yoga. You know, I know you know this and people who study yoga understand this. It's asana is what most people are doing. So asana, is referring to uh, the body positions that we're in when we're when we're engaged in certain practices, and those practices are for the purposes of of moving energy through the body. Those practices are the for the purposes of of certainly feeling good too, of creating a strong, healthy body, but also of moving energy and rebalancing the flow of energy in our bodies. So every body position or asana is having an effect on the flow of energy in our bodies. And if we understand that, we can consciously use that knowledge to restore our balance through the various body postures. When we talk about yoga and the bigger picture of yoga, yoga really is a whole way of living, a whole way of thinking and a a body of practices for the purposes of achieving the realization of our true nature as spirit. And, mm -hmm. and that's really what yoga is. And, and there are various types of yoga. And I don't mean the various approaches to asana or body positions like the Iyengar approach or the Ashtanga approach, vinyasa approach. I, there's four basic types of yoga. Um, you know, you've got you've got Raja yoga, which is the yoga really of of quieting the mind and becoming uh, more meditative. Bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion, and and that's the yoga really that cultivates faith and incorporates uh, rituals for helping us feel more connected. The karma yoga, the yoga of selfless service. And, and, then, and then we have jnana yoga, which is the yoga of knowledge that helps us to have the knowledge to, to be able to discern what is real from what is not real, what is transient from what is eternal. And that's what develops wisdom. And so we have these four traditional paths of yoga and, and they are all yoga because they all help us in their own ways to remember our true nature as spirit and to overcome our, our, you know, this ignorance that we have. And so that's really what, what yoga is. And, and what people are referring to as yoga, the yoga studio experience, is such a small, small part of it. 
still very important. I, I, I greatly honor it because when people go to a yoga studio and take a yoga class and they come out of it, they feel not only physically better, but they do feel emotionally better as well. But it will still be transient unless they engage the full practices of yoga. And that's what really brings about the transformation of our consciousness and the transformation, therefore, that sticks. When consciousness transforms, the mind reshapes itself. And when that happens, the body's physiology changes. And we really, truly heal. And it does not snap back to where it was. So a person can feel depressed and take an antidepressant and feel temporarily better, but they'll have to keep taking the antidepressant. Mm -hmm. A person can be depressed and could take a yoga class and feel better after the yoga class, but they do it and they did it naturally. But two weeks later, they're gonna, or even a week later, or even a day later, they're going to be depressed again because there hasn't been a shift in their consciousness. And the shift in the consciousness refers to expanding one's perception to go outside of one's individual self and realize their connectedness to everyone and everything. And when we experience that, there's a tremendous joy that the heart feels. Yeah. And, and that joy radiates out from the heart and the mind is at peace and the body is at ease. And that is really what we look for in yoga. This is, this is the fruit, if you will, of doing the work. And when you taste that fruit, you, you have more joy, more peace of mind and greater ease in the body. And that's, that's yoga. Now you mentioned trauma and, and, you know, I know trauma just has become such a, a big part of the yoga community, yoga culture, and even the culture of humanity itself now is recognizing just how much trauma is impacting us. Mm. And, and I want to, I want to emphasize that, 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 that every, that everybody has severe trauma. This is why when we walk around the world, we see so many people and we walk around our communities having such intense emotional experiences. And, and, and from a yogic perspective, the primordial trauma is incarnation. Right. <laughs> because we have the trauma of separation from the whole. Right. From that moment on, we're on our own or we feel like we're on our own, we cling to anyone that can help us, starting with mom and dad, then later lovers and partners, anybody that can help us to feel less alone, trying to find our family, trying to find our community, trying to find our friends, trying to find our people, because we are scared to death to be alone. And what yoga teaches us is that ultimately, we have to become comfortable with being alone and in that comfort comes our connection to everyone and everything. And so we have to really heal ourselves mm. so that we can be whole and solid. And only then do we really have healthy connections with everyone else in our community and everyone else in our world and, you know, experience that. Yeah. But yeah, this, this individuality that we experience is so traumatic. It's called asmita. It's one of the kleshas in yoga. 
And, and, and this asmita, this individuality is the primordial wound that we all have. Now, that was, that was a, a really beautiful description of yoga, um, kind of in a little snapshot, um, beautifully described. And so now let's bring in the sister science of Ayurveda and a, a nice description of, of Ayurveda, if, if you could do that. Yeah, well, Ayurveda, as I mentioned, is here to take care of us when we have forgotten our true nature of spirit. And then, as you mentioned, once we forget our true nature of spirit, we're going to start making choices in our lives that are unhealthy mm-hmm. because we're now in a reactive place. We're now mm-hmm. reacting to the separation. And so I want to eat more cookies because I'm reacting to this trauma mm-hmm. of, you know, feeling yeah. alone and feeling separate and, and, and not feeling good. So I'm, I'm emotionally struggling. And in the moment, I'll look for something that can make me feel good. So and essentially, we're, we're reacting to the lack of yoga. <laughs> we are. We are. Yeah. Absolutely. We are. Yeah. And so we look for chocolate or we look for um, uh, sexual connections or we look for anything that's going to take away that pain of our lack of separation, of or the pain of our separation. And so, so then we disturb the doshas in our bodies by doing that. And so we, we now have disturbances in the energy in our body because we first forgot our true nature spirit. We then started making poor choices. Those choices following the Ayurvedic model mean that we misuse our senses. So we overindulge or underindulge or, or connect in, in disharmonious ways. But the result of that is that it disturbs the doshas in our bodies and the doshas are the physiological forces of our body, the energies of our bodies. It's every physiological process in our bodies. So the, so whether it's our kidney function or our liver function or our heart function, it depends on the doshas being healthy, but they're not healthy when we have forgotten our true nature as spirit and then, uh, mis- and then, and then make choices that are unhealthy. We disturb the physiology of our bodies, and in doing so, our bodies start to cry out in pain. And that pain, some of it is pain, physical pain, some of it is the emotional pain, and some of it is the breakdown of the tissues of the body. And so when the tissues of the bodies break down, we get arthritis, we get cancer, we get diabetes, and the consequences of all of these and all of those are symptoms that we can trace all the way back to forgetting our true nature as spirit. Now, then along comes an Ayurvedic doctor and an Ayurvedic doctor then says, well, okay, so I can now see the whole picture. I can see what happened and I can see how you got to be in the way you are. So now I can use that knowledge and that wisdom to guide you to alleviate the suffering and do the deeper healing work. And that's really important. And so, the tools that they'll use, of course, are, are through the senses. So diet through our sense of taste, aromas through our sense of smell, what you look at through your sense of vision, what you listen to and hear through your sense of sound and hearing, and touch. All of these five senses need to be utilized properly to rebalance the physiological disturbances um, in the body. And, and we need to go even deeper than that because that rebalances everything in the body. But we still have to deal 
with that lack of connection to the whole, that primordial wound. Because if we don't, then we're going to continue to misuse our senses. Although we can use our self-discipline and say, I'm not going to have any more chocolate chip cookies. Eventually, we say to ourselves, well, I, I, I've, I've been good for six months. Uh, I can have a cookie, you yeah. know, and then two and five in a box and so forth. So, so unless we can stay connected, yeah. then we're going to misuse our senses and we're going to disturb those doshas. Then Ayurveda, of course, also utilizes herbs to accelerate the process and rebalance the body cleansing to get rid of some of the consequences of those disturbances called toxins or ama that have built up in the body. So Ayurveda is a brilliant way of cleaning up the mess. And <laughs> yoga is a brilliant way of preventing the mess. And together, together, they're really a complete system for taking care of your body, your mind, and your consciousness. So why do you think people resist, most people resist this path? Why is it so oftentimes either the very last resort because they've tried everything else or they try it and then they jump off because it's it's really a change of entire lifestyle um like let's take for instance the ayurveda um if, if you choose to go ayurvedically speaking it's let's start with the rituals the daily rituals just just a daily day in the life of ayurveda <clears throat> So, you know, waking up, that's at a time that will support getting your particular imbalance, dosha imbalance back into balance. So, you know, getting up at 4.30 um, does not appeal to a lot of people. Um, and so they, they're like, well, I don't know, you know, I guess I could try it. Okay. And then you get up and you, you know, maybe do some oil pulling or, you know, um, some abhyanga for, you know, in the morning, some oil self-massage to show, you know, some, some self-care, some love, maybe a very short yoga practice. How about a little meditation to start the day, fill the cup. And I know when I'm saying this to my clients, they're like, I, yeah, I don't think I'm going to have time for that. You know, I've got to do yeah. something. So, so, so let me address some of that. I think it's yeah. really an important topic. Yeah. So, so first of all, I find that, that the greatest challenge first, the initial challenge is that most people don't really know what Ayurveda is. Mm -hmm. And so they get into, to, to the wrong idea about what Ayurveda is and, and Ayurveda is the science or the knowledge or the wisdom of life. And don't you want to live your life with, with knowledge, with wisdom, right? And to live your life according to that knowledge and that wisdom. And when they find out from me, because I speak to the public a lot, when they find out that there are practitioners that can help them, uh, that can help them and understand that their challenges require addressing the body, the mind, and the spirit or consciousness, they're really excited about that because that speaks as truth to their heart. Most people, they, they understand on some level that a pill is never going to heal them. It's not going to change them, that it's not going to to do anything permanent, right. that, that they need something more than that. And most people have gone around and around and around trying to find healing without much success. So when I go out and I start talking about Ayurveda, people immediately want to get consultations. They immediately want to, to work with somebody that can really finally understand them and the challenges that they're experiencing, that they have confidence in, is going to help develop a plan 
implement a plan and and they're going to make make great progress so first of all i think when it's presented properly to people they get really excited about it mm-hmm. then they come in and and then it's really a question of how we work with people and that's really important and it's why it's important to work with a really good practitioner because if a practitioner gives them a list of things to do and says okay you're going to do all these things like you said we're going to wake up at 4 30 in the morning and you're going to do oil pulling and then you're going to do meditation and then you're going to do asana and then you're going to sit down and you're going to eat your food and then you're going to do this and then you're going to do that and and gives them five pages of information and says well if you do all this you'll you'll you know you'll rebalance your body people are like yeah thank you that was really interesting i'm never going to do that okay and 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 so it's an art to support people to successfully implement change in their lives. Nobody makes change easily. Now, let's talk about why people don't change easily. It's because when we became separated from the whole, we began to identify ourselves as separate. Once we identified ourselves as separate, we go on a journey to understand ourselves. Well, then who am I as this separate person from the whole? I'm no longer connected. So who am I and what makes me different from everyone else? Now, I'm still carrying around the trauma of my separation. And along the way of my journey, I've accumulated even more traumas in my life. You know, and there's a, just a long list of potential traumas that we've experienced in our lives. And so now I'm being asked to make a change. And that change is going to challenge me on a couple of levels. The first level it's going to challenge me on is, wait a minute, these changes you're telling me are going to reconnect me back to the whole, but, but I've been spending most of my life trying to define myself as a unique individual and loving myself as a unique individual. And now I'm supposed to reconnect back to the whole and give up my individuality. I don't like that. Hmm. So I've gotten very attached to my imperfections. You know, they say the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Right. And so <laughs> I am the devil I know. And, and so I want to stay that way because I'm scared of anything else. I don't know who I'd be if I wasn't me. Right. And that makes me very scared. So I'm anxious about reconnecting. I'm anxious about what would it mean if I wasn't an angry person? What would it mean for my life if I wasn't a, an introvert? What would it mean for my life if I wasn't an extrovert? What would it mean for my life if I if my my knee was really good and healthy? So we get attached to our current way of being and we're very anxious about anything else because we've gotten so used to it. We've defined ourselves as it. I am a person with a bad knee who is angry, who is a a introvert and 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 so I'm afraid that if I start doing all of these things that I'm not going to know who I am anymore. And that is one of the reasons why it's very challenging. And we speak of this from an Ayurvedic and yogic perspective as the ego is involved. The ego is that part that defines us and it is scared of change because it sees change as its own death. It sees change as its own death. So if separation is the challenge and that's the ego is, is attached to being a separate entity, 
And wholeness, which is healing, is the death of separation, is the death of the ego. And just as every one of us would fight like, like crazy to, to not die, most of us, likewise, we fight against those things that are going to reconnect us back to the whole because we're afraid that my anger will die. My, my pain and suffering, my, the fact that I'm angry at my, my mom or my dad, I have to let that go. That's a death of my anger. And I don't want that to die. So, so we know it so well. That is so interesting because people define themselves by their ailments or their currents. So I can't do that because I have fibromyalgia or I can't do that because I have um, diabetes. And that's such an interesting point that you're making because people actually start to identify with their disease and then what that produces exactly what you just said that is absolutely i didn't realize that that was all tied to the expression of the ego and but you're right i mean i i understand that like, that makes sense you know there is this yogic obstacle one of the kleshas one of the five kleshas um this yogic obstacle called, called abhinivesha which means basically fear of death or clinging to life and this is a great obstacle to our self-realization. In other words, we're going to have to get to this place of being comfortable with the transient nature of reality, the transient nature of our existence, and not fight for it to remain a certain way. So we fight right now for this body, my body, to remain a certain way. I want to remain young. I want to remain fit. I want to remain all these things. And I definitely want to remain alive and I'm going to do everything I can to stay alive. And, and I'm gonna fight like crazy. And I'm afraid, for most people, I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid of death. You tell me in the books that there's life after death, or you tell me in the books that there's heaven after death. Okay, but I don't really know that, so I'm afraid. And so it's the same thing with making change in your life. You tell me, that if I give up my cigarettes, my alcohol, and my coffee, that I'm going to feel really good. But I don't know that to be true. I do know this right now. You know, I do know that my cigarettes are making me feel better. My alcohol allows me to have better social experiences with people. And my coffee wakes me up in the morning. And so what would I be if I wasn't a cigarette smoker, drinker, coffee drinker? I mean, I don't know who I'd be. I, that, that me would die. Right. And I'm really afraid of that me dying. And so this is the deeper work of yoga is to learn how to break our attachments and to enter into the realm of possibility where we recognize that I am not at my core, a cigarette smoker, a drinker of alcohol or a drinker of coffee or an angry person or an anxious person or a person with bad knee diabetes or cancer. I am something beyond all of that. And in that there is infinite potential and infinite possibility. And I can be all of that and I'm not afraid of that. And I can let go of those parts that are, that are 
unhealthy, that make me unhappy, and I can welcome in those possibilities that are going to lead to being healthier and being happier. And that's a journey to get there. Now, a good healer has to understand that journey. And so a good healer has to be incredibly compassionate, recognizing the struggle that everybody's going to have because they've seen it in themselves. Sure. Because each of us on some level is still struggling with attachment. Absolutely. And, and what it is that we can let go of. And each of us on some level still needs to, to, to jump into that void of infinite potential and possibility, even more than we already have done. So we're talking about becoming a seeker and curious about a practice of yoga. And then what comes with that will be, I, it, my experience is whether you are wanting it or not, when you commit yourself to doing yoga, there's a change, a shift in consciousness that comes with it. Uh, people describe, um, I left feeling yoga class, feeling uh, uh, like a yoga high. I feel, I feel e sometimes elated, sometimes triggered a little bit, but I feel very different than when I came in. And so this, the, the, in order to, I think, understand grasp and stick with something that's requiring you to change your perception about life or your health or is a shift in consciousness and awareness. Otherwise, it's almost impossible to stay with it because it, it it's almost forced or not authentic. It's like, yeah, I'm trying Ayurveda and, you know, it sounds really good. But when you're, when your consciousness shifts and you really connect with why and um it resonates on a different level you're more apt to stick with it and then you'll start to see the changes that happen and this is i mean for me um yoga teacher training became this life-changing event that i had no idea was i just wanted to explore yoga a little bit deeper because i i've been doing it a long time and i just wanted to go deeper. But what happened was something I did not expect. And so there was a shift in my in my consciousness. And so and that just once that kind of Pandora box or Kundalini box or however you want to say is opened, there's a light or an illumination that travels in the energetic body and you start to see your per your perception shifts you things change you see things a little different yeah you know you definitely do and and that's the beauty of of healing is is real healing is all about a change in perspective a change in perception yes. and how we see things yeah and so i uh, you know you mentioned kundalini all kundalini is is the light by which we see yeah and so as we have more light, we see more clearly. Yeah. And that's really, you know, keeping it simple doesn't have to be made into some sort of tremendously mystical uh, idea or unattainable ideal. It is really something that we cultivate. And we cultivate that inner light. And when we cultivate the inner light, we see more clearly. And what we see comes back to ultimately seeing our connection to the whole, right. ultimately seeing the difference between what is real and what is unreal, what is eternal and what is transient. And then identifying with that, with the wholeness, rather than with the separation. Yeah. 
when we identify with the wholeness, then we, we are going to act in ways that are more selfless and we, we gain the, uh, the beauty and the peace that comes with that when we're not so caught up in the drama of our selfishness and the stress that comes with that. And so this is, this is the healing journey that we're all on. And, and yoga plays such a, a vital role in the process. And, and, and yoga and Ayurveda need to be seen as a lifelong approach to well-being, even more than it is a something like you know, when you go to see, you were talking about why it's so challenging when you go see an Ayurvedic practitioner, it's because we're used to the medical model of, um, well, I'm going to go to the practitioner, I'm going to get a pill, or I'm going to get an herb, or I'm going to get something, and they're, they're going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Whereas, as the Ayurvedic and yogic approaches, I'm going to show you how to heal yourself. Right. I'm going to show you what you need to do in order to be well. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a lifelong journey. And again, from the practitioner's perspective, I think it's very important to not only have compassion, but to have patience. Yes. And, and patience is essential because the healing journey that we're on is going to go on and on and on throughout our whole life, yeah. you know? And then if you believe in reincarnation, it's going to continue in our next and in our next and in our next. So you don't have to do everything right now. Guess what? You don't have to wake up at 4.30 if you don't want to, and you can still practice Ayurveda. Yes. You can practice Ayurveda just by sitting down when you eat your food and saying grace. Yeah. And now you've done one more thing that you weren't doing before. And that one thing that you're doing is reverberating out and you're feeling more peacefulness, more connectedness, and your life will be so much improved simply because you sat down to eat instead of um, eating in the kitchen while um, preparing food for others or or what, you know, whatever, the car. your life is so improved because right. you took 10 minutes yeah. to sit down and eat your breakfast. And then you took 10 more to sit down and eat your lunch instead yeah. of working at the computer while eating. And then you sat down for 10 minutes to eat your dinner in quietude before you watch TV. And wow, what a difference in your life. If your life is one where you're waking up in the morning and you're running around quickly and you're eating food while you're doing that, or you're grabbing it on the way in the car and you're eating it while you're driving. And then you're working at the desk and then you're coming home and you eat in front of the TV and, and that's your life. What an incredible difference. Those three things you just did made physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why it's so important to keep it in perspective. And if that's all you do, and that's the fruit that came out of working with an Ayurvedic practitioner, that practitioner changed your life and your and the and the course of your life and and the struggles and challenges that you're gonna face. Not that you won't have any new ones, because you will, because there's many other areas of your life that are out of harmony. But you created so much more harmony and that is fabulous and when you're ready guess what you might want to do something else and meditate in the morning guess what you might want to do something else and put some oil on your body or swish in your mouth or whatever but but we got to keep it in perspective because there's a tendency in the world of ayurveda and especially in the world of patients engaging ayurveda to think we have to be perfect to 
to, you know, that Ayurveda is holding a mirror up to me and going, look at all the places I fall short. Oh my God, I didn't wake up in the morning to do my meditation. Oh gosh, I don't, you know, swish oil in my mouth. Oh gosh, I got angry today because I was upset. At, you know, that the, the list can go on and on and on. And anybody who's got that mirror put up in front of them without compassion and patience is yeah. gonna run like wild in the other direction because who wants to spend their time looking in a mirror and seeing their own imperfections? Right. Nobody does. So it's so important as practitioners that practitioners hold a space of compassion, a space of patience, and see the relationship with their patients as a lifelong relationship, not that we're going to do this in two weeks. That's a great point. You know, and I think when you're passionate about something and it's helped you personally, you you just want that for other people and you want them don't give up on ayurveda and yoga it's it's really the best thing in the whole wide world and it's been so great for you personally that you just want to give it to them so desperately and they and like you said it's it's a baby step thing it's a you know digesting little things as they go along all of us all of us yeah. i um, want to share one more thing with you too and that's that there is a tendency we all do it we all do it to project onto others our own experience absolutely and so so yeah. so when i say to myself well this helped me so it should help you this is how <laughs> i did it so this is how you should do it because it really helped me and i know it will help you that's that kind of projection is never helpful really you know a beautiful a beautiful um saying is that the teacher meets the student where the student is at not where the teacher is at yep. we have to be able to open ourselves up to the journey of our patients and how to hold space for them how to love them through their journey and not push them on their journey yeah but just shine a light for them to take their next step when they're ready yeah. And and the more unattached we are to their journey, the clearer we can be as a guide for them. Yeah. And that's really, awesome. I think, so important. Agreed. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. There's so much more to talk about. So maybe we can reconnect again um, down the road a little bit. I just, there's so many things I would love to talk about. Um, but at this point, if I, I could ask you to, share um if people want to get in touch with you and speak sure. a little bit if you want, would like about the school yeah well so so first of all people can reach me at my email address if they just want to contact me directly it's drh like dr h drh at ayurvedacollege.com and you can learn about the programs at the california college of ayurveda by going to the website ayurvedacollege.com we have uh, many, many opportunities to take free classes as well as to um, join our regular programs to become a practitioner. If you go on our website, you look at our workshops and seminars and our educational opportunities. There's, there's, a, a, uh, there's programs coming up that are open to the public on diabetes. There's an introduction to Sanskrit for the public. And when I say for the public, I mean, these are free. And so... Uh, you can you can learn so much. There's a taste of Ayurveda where we can go into uh, more about the cause of suffering and how Ayurveda approaches the cause of suffering. And these are all free programs along with our virtual open houses that we have online. 
Uh, of course, we have our main programs and we train people to become Ayurvedic health counselors, clinical Ayurvedic specialists and medical Ayurvedic specialists, depending upon how far people want to go. Uh, they can really, you know, become the, the best trained Ayurvedic practitioners in the United States uh, by going to the California College of Ayurveda. And you can also learn through reading. And I've, I, I've written a book that's like a general popular book called Healing Your Life, Lessons on the Path of Ayurveda, which is a wonderful self-help book. Or if you really want to go much deeper, you can go on Amazon and you can buy Principles of Ayurvedic Medicine, which is the textbook used by our students in the uh, Principles of Ayurvedic Medicine course that they take. Uh, there's also this new book that I just published called Classical Yoga Therapy. And in Classical Yoga Therapy, uh, I took six classical texts uh, and merged them together into one book from a healing perspective. And these six classical texts have been you know, written on, really written over the course of the last 1500 to 2500 years. And then it's all that knowledge is merged in. And it's certainly for the, the deeper student of yoga. And that's, it's not a popular yoga book where you're gonna learn a few yoga practices. This is something for the yoga teacher and also for the yoga scholar. So that's called classical yoga therapy. And those are really some of the, the ways in which you can keep in touch with me. I also have a Facebook group uh, called uh, Ayurveda uh, Yoga Nidra and Yoga Therapy with Dr. Mark Halpern. We have about 14,000 members of that group and you're, you're welcome to join that group. And I post in there a couple of times uh, a week, usually something on Ayurveda and something on yoga. Awesome. So, so yeah, these are ways to uh, connect with me. And thank you so much, Cherie, for the opportunity to, uh, to reach out through your community. And, and thank you for the work you're doing. You know, these podcasts are so very important for, for spreading the word and, and helping people to know that there is greater possibility out there than being sick and being and suffering. And, and this kind of work and time that you're putting into developing this podcast, it's going to make a difference to a lot of people's lives. So you thank know, you. from my heart to yours, I thank you very, very much. I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate your time. And I will hopefully talk to you soon. And I thank you for this classical yoga therapy book that I absolutely love. I mean, I just, I'm almost done just three days. I just couldn't put it down. It's amazing and well-written. And I, I just thank you for your time so much, Dr. Halpern, really. Thank you. Take care. You well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you would like to experience healing or give the gift of healing to another, please go to my website, www.hamsaholistichealingandayurveda.com or email me at sherry at hamsaholistichealing.com or you can contact me on Facebook, Sherry Berjanski. I offer Ayurveda consultations, Reiki energy healings, reflexology and Ayurveda foot massage, tarot card readings, angel card readings, and much more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share an episode so that we can spread this wonderful wisdom of healing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Namaste.